we are recording to the cloud. <coughs> I should be on my best behaviour. Good to see you all. Good to see people I don't know and haven't met yet. Good to see people from the morning congregation who are like ships in the night, the occasional passing during, during the turning of the year. It is good to be together, isn't it? And we have God's Word, and there's loads in there, and we need to pray. Let's pray. Father God, we've read a passage which is full of amazing things. It would be very hard to do this justice in a month, a year of sermons. But we have this morning, and we have your word, and we have your spirit, and we pray for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> I want to do an introduction by telling you about a guy I used to know. I used to work for him, actually, about quite a long time ago. We got talking once about church, and I told him what I did on a Sunday. And he made, he made this comment. He said, I paraphrase, oh, I used to be an evangelical once, back in the day. Um, we didn't really talk about much more. I never got the chance to explore that with him much more. But from the way he lived his life, things he talked about, he gave no indication that he was anywhere near a church or Christian things anymore. Um, so that phrase stuck with me. I used to be an evangelical once. Um, I don't know how, how many of you came to the church anniversary dinner, which was a great time, and there were photos up on the screen. And I don't know if it occurred to any of you, like it did to me. Some of those people, I'm not sure they're walking with the Lord anymore. And as we go into Hebrews, the reason why I picked those things, not just to make you feel slightly uncomfortable, where are we going with this? That's one of the big points of the book of Hebrews. That's one of the main applications of the book of Hebrews. You don't want to end up being the sort of person who says, I used to be a Christian once. Or, I used to think that was really important, but that's not really part of my life anymore. Um, get your Bibles out. And I'm going to get you to find some verses. Hebrews, very quickly, there are 10 chapters all about the supremacy of Jesus. 10 chapters which unpack what we have in the first few verses and the first chapter. He is above every power. He is above every system. He is above every means of getting right with God, of living well, of having hope for the future. He is above everything. There you go. One verse. In thus, these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, he whom he appointed heir of all things. Jesus is heir of all things. Everything belongs to him. And Hebrews will unpack that with wonderful splendor. But as he's going through, it will say things. This is where you get your Bibles out. Find 2 verse 1. That's pretty easy, the same page. 2 verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Find three verse one. This is the, this is the positive way of putting it. Therefore, holy brothers, because of all the great things in chapter one and chapter two, 
Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 1 again. Verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, i.e. the gospel is still powerful and effective, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Or skip over to chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's chapter 11, all these heroes of the faith, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Verse 3, consider him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Okay. Look around the room. I wonder how many years we have ahead of us in our lives. Now, we don't know, do we? Something, something awful could happen on the way home. This may be my last day. Who knows? Some of us are younger than others. Some of us may have 80, 90, 100 years to grow. Some of us, much fewer. How many different life experiences have we already been through and will we go through in the future? How many options for life? How many choices will we have to make in the next however long? Or just more closely to hand, it's at the end of 2023. What will 2024 mean for us? Where will we go? Where will it take us? Will we march forward confidently, trusting Jesus, moving onwards to glory? Or will we start or maybe continue a pattern of drifting, of sliding back? The one thing that will make the difference in all of that is fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's keeping our eyes on him and walking forward together. So that's what I want us to look at, think about today. But I just want to make the point. It matters that we take it seriously. The writer to the Hebrews says, fix your eyes and your thoughts and your mind on Jesus. Let him be your priority. Because if he isn't, you might just drift away and find yourself without him. And that would be appalling. So let's go into 2024 looking at Jesus. Okay, let's get into the text now. In fact, let's not. Let's have the next slide, though, please. Um, let's just look at Hebrews in one slide for one minute. Three things just to explain what this book is about. We've said them already, really. There is one ultimate reality. The Son, Jesus, is supreme. And we're going to look at that in verses 1 and 4, 5 and 14. There is one great hope that we should put our hearts and our minds on. That great hope is that when we see Jesus, we see humanity restored. The point of humanity, 2 verse 5, is glory and rule under God. We saw that in Genesis, didn't we? 
And then we saw that humanity fell away from that. But Jesus is now the man in heaven who is reigning as human beings were meant to reign. And he is the one we are going towards. And he is the one who's going to wrap up history. That's Jesus, the God man. So all the problems in the world, the answer in the end is Jesus, the new man, the one who makes everything right. And then, as we've said, there is one main application of Hebrews. Fix your thoughts on Jesus and no one else. He's the messenger, he's the means, and he's the destination. He is everything. He's all that we need for this year. Okay, that's enough background. Sermon, please. Slide, please. There are two points. They're really both the same points. There's lots in there. We will go through it quickly because otherwise we'll be here for hours. The writer to the Hebrews has done a clever thing. In verses one to four, he's given seven characteristics that show that the Son is God's final word. And in five to 14, he's given seven Old Testament quotes. If you look at the bottom there, you can see them in the little notes. <coughs> the, the number seven, as you know, shows completeness and perfection. He's making the big point. Jesus is God's perfect word. Jesus is God's perfect superior son. Superior to the angels. That's a good heading there in the, in the Bible. Okay. Seven characteristics that show that the son is God's final word. Well, they would all do by themselves. How about appointed heir of all things? The one to whom the father says, all of this, this is yours. No one else says it belongs to you. How about, and it's a throwaway here in the text, and to whom also he made the universe. And so, well, I've given him all things. I've spoken by this son. You know, by the way, through this son, I made everything. How about verse three? The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Think about God's glory. What happens when the prophet Isaiah meets God's glory? He falls on his face. He can't bear the sight. What happens when Moses wants to see God and God says, no, do you see me, you guy? I will cover you. You can see my glory from behind once I've gone past. That's just amazing. Maybe. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. When we see Jesus here in his word, when those disciples saw him walking with us, that was the glory of God which shines through the whole universe. There is no one glorier than Jesus. And the exact representation of his being. Think of how, in one sense, complicated God must be. I don't mean that theologically. God is simple, actually, but theologically. But complicated. The God who can make the universe. How does that work? The God who just speaks and worlds come into being. The God who was there before time 
before space, before matter. <coughs> you know that thing when you imagine, what if there was nothing? How can you imagine nothing? But God is there. We can't imagine that. But here, and, and so that's why people say, well, how can you really know what God is like? You know, there's someone over here who said, well, he's, a bit, he's like this. And someone over there who says he's like that. I really don't know where to look. No, he, the writer says, he's exactly, he exactly represents God. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. There is nothing missing when you look at Jesus. There's nothing about God else that you could see that you don't find when you look at Jesus. There is nowhere else to go, nowhere else to look. The point I'm getting to, and we'll go through the rest, is there is nowhere else to look. Once you see Jesus, you've seen everything about God. Once you've heard Jesus, you've heard all there is to say. But, But there's more than that. He sustains all things by his powerful word. God is speaking right now by his son, and that's why we are existing. We are living. If he stopped speaking, we would dissolve into dust. He provided purification for sins. Provided purification for sins, four words, which mean that a broken, fallen world and broken, fallen people can now know God can now enter heaven. Heaven itself, which was polluted by the fall and spoiled, has been made new and pure because of Jesus and what he did on the cross. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, the place where all rule comes. All decisions that matter are made in that seat. Jesus decides everything. God is sovereign. What does that mean? Jesus decides everything. The fate of every ruler. The fate of every creature. What's going to happen in the next 50 years if we worry about climate crises? Jesus will decide what happens in the end. And there in verse 4, because of all this, he became as much superior to the, the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Now, what seems to be going on in Hebrews is that they were tempted to go to some other type of faith, which was thinking about angels and Old Testament stuff, stuff which Jesus had come to fulfill and supersede. And say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, great, but what about this? What, What about the angels? No, he's superior to the angels. He's superior to everything that came before. And nothing that will come after matters at all, apart from Jesus. So, think of all that God is. Think of all the different ways you could imagine God acting. Jesus is right there. And when we see Jesus, we see all we need to know and all we ever will need to know about God and his work in this world and about hope for life, and about our future. So question for you. Not so much for now, 
bit of question as you go into this week and, and you're thinking about things and you're wondering about things. Is there anyone better place to speak into your life this week than Jesus, God's final word? Jesus who owns everything. Jesus who knows everything. Jesus who sustains everything. Jesus, verse 12, who is going to wrap everything up in the end and deliver it to his father. Is any voice more important than that? Will any voice give truth that means you can ignore Jesus' word? Here's our application for this section. Listen to Jesus this year. And maybe turn down all those other voices that you've got. I have a phone here which, if I'm not careful, speaks to me in so many different ways about so much stuff, most of which is complete rubbish. And a complete waste of my time when there is Jesus speaking and saying, come, hear about life, hear about hope, hear about things that really, really matter. So maybe some of us today, do we need to turn down the volume of some of those other voices so that we have time to listen to Jesus? Maybe for some of us, there are particular voices that we need to take captive to Jesus. And maybe they're not audible voices that speak out or someone on social media who's talking to us. Maybe it's the voice in your, our head that speaks to us about career. And, you know, if only you could get that promotion, that would make life so much better. All those voices that talk about education and exams. Oh, if I could, if I could get straight A's at GCSE, my life would be so much better. I'm not saying don't try and get A's or A star or whatever. Nines, isn't it? Sorry. I'm so old. Nines. Thank you, Emma. They don't really matter, do they? Not compared to knowing Jesus, not compared to living for him. Maybe there's a voice about a relationship, about a temptation. Some of us will need to find some time, maybe. To talk with a Christian friend, to talk in your small group about those voices and what they're saying to you. To find ways to shut them down and take the Bible and let Jesus speak to you. And let me encourage you to pray. Let's pray for each other. That we can answer all the voices and noises in the world around us with Jesus' voice in the Bible. That's what we need. We need to help each other with that. Okay. So the Son is God's final word. Let's make sure we listen to him. Secondly, seven quotes. I'll go through them all in detail. No, I won't. Um, you can go through them in detail later. It tells you where to look. They boil down to things like this. And these are not small things. Jesus is God's eternal Messiah King. I nicked that from one of Sam's talked over the last few weeks. Um, Jesus has been appointed by God as God's son, as God's Messiah, as God's king. I think we've said this already, but I will say it again. He is the one who rules everything. He is the one who angels worship as the only true Lord of this world. He is the one, verse 9, 
Who rules with justice? Who rules with righteousness? Who rules against wickedness? He rules perfectly. <coughs> he has a never-ending rule. From first creation to the end of creation, Jesus reigns perfectly, justly, with all power and all authority. Verse 12, he will roll up this world like a garment. He will make it new on the last day. And then verse 13, every enemy will come and bow before him. And there's this picture here. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Which is an odd little phrase. But we know it is sort of trampling on our enemies, don't we? Um, let's take a moment and think about that. What that means for the things we will face this year. The places we will go this year. They are all under Jesus' rule. They are all under Jesus' authority. He knows what's right. He is doing what's right. Whatever situation we're in this, week, this year, whatever happens to us in 2023, maybe those times when we thought, this isn't right, this just feels wrong. Jesus was ruling perfectly with perfect justice. He may not have explained everything that happens to you in 2023, particularly the bad things that you wish didn't happen. But we can know this. He acts justly. He acts with love. He cares. His rule over our lives is absolute and perfect. We could have no better rule. So as we go into this year, when lots of different people try to have a piece of us, try and own us in different ways, trying to tell us what's important, what we should be doing, there is one who really rules our lives and who really wants our best, and that's Jesus. And he is the ruler who will destroy all his enemies. And he is the ruler who can be with us in whatever situation we are in and make the difference. Not that he will make that situation wonderful and successful and glorious always, but that he is, as Ben was saying earlier, church planting, five years' time. Was it a roaring success? Was it less than? Whatever happens there in Berry, we know that Jesus is ruling. Jesus will do what's right. Jesus will be with his people there. And the same works for us. Now, I want us to just have a little think about this picture in verse 13, the footstool for your feet. Um, any of you do ancient history stuff, Romans and all that? Am I getting nods, rant, smiles? Yeah, good stuff. This is what Wikipedia says about the Roman triumphal procession. This is what they did when they had a major campaign. Let's say they go to Gaul. Let's say they go to, to Britain. And they go and do some conquering. 
And then all the army comes back to Rome and they come back with all the spoils and they come back with all the tales of their, of their conquering conquest. Um, they may have left a few behind just to keep it, keep it safe, but the, the main people come back to Rome to get the glory, don't they? This is what happens in this procession. So the generals come along. Okay, the ones who are going to be cheered, whoa, wonderful, look what you've done. But before that, do you know what comes first? First came the captive leaders. That's the people who've been defeated. Their allies and their soldiers, sometimes their families too, usually walking in chains, some destined for execution, others destined for putting on display. As if to say, we, Rome, have gone and conquered Britain. We have brought all the best of Britain, all the ones who tried to defeat us. Here they are, they're in chains. And they're on display, you can laugh at them. That's, what's, that's what will happen at the end of time with Jesus. The major powers will be brought in. Sin, if you think of it as a, as a power personification is brought in before Jesus and hurled to the ground and it's like he puts his feet on them and says well you're my footstool now you have no power now you're just shamed on the floor before me death is brought in before Jesus and he laughs at death doesn't he because he has conquered death in rising from the grave death is thrown to the ground and he tramples on the devil is brought in again made Jesus' footstool. Now, if that's what happens with all the powers in this world, sin, death, the devil, and if, that, if that's what happens with all the powers in history, if they stood against Jesus, all these Caesars who were conquering the world will have to come and bow before Jesus, even if they don't want to. Putin will have to bow. Any bad guy you could think of will have to bow. We all will have to bow before Jesus because he is king of all things. Well, if no one can stand before him, if he is for us, who can be against us this year? If he is our king and that's what it's like and that's where history is going, can he take care of us in 2024? Well, yes, he can. Clearly he can. So here's the application of 5 to 14. Rest in Jesus' rule this year. Trust that he really can take care of 2024. And I say that knowing that some of you know what it's like to experience bad stuff. Some of you probably in 2024 will have bad stuff happening. And if not 2024, then 2025, 2026. There are people in this room who will die of cancer. There are people in this room who will have family loss. There are people in this room who will be sacked from their job at some point in the future. There are people in this room who will have enemies. There will be bad things happening in 2024. Things that cause us to think, is God good? Is God with us? Should I keep going? How can I keep going? And the Lord says to us today, 
my King Jesus is sufficient. He is powerful. He is with you. He rules. He will wrap up history. And everything that happens is for the good of his people, even when it doesn't look like it. Come to me, Jesus said, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He really can take care of us this year. So let's spend this year to come thinking about Jesus, reading his word, reflecting on what does it mean to have a God who is king of our lives and king of this world and who is with us and who gives us everything we need. And maybe some of you aren't believers here today. Wouldn't you love to be able to rest in 2024, knowing that even with Ukraine, Gaza, climate crisis, family breakdown, shambles in government, all the stuff you could possibly think of and look and say, ah, what a mess. Jesus is the one who makes it right. Jesus is the one who gives hope. If you aren't a believer here today, you really should be. There is no other hope to have. Stop being foolish, please. And look around you. This is, this is your team for 2024, brothers and sisters. They help each other walk down the road together. Following our king. How can you help your brothers and sisters this year find rest in Jesus' care? Let's that be our prayer this year. Amen.